It's time for the fastest hour of radio, Southern Race Week, with your host, William Barber. All right, and welcome to this brand new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio for you along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio Network. It's Southie filling in for uh, our fearless leader, WB, who is taking the week off to handle some uh, personal matters, but it's all good. I am here in the captain's chair this week, and I'll be bringing you yet again another brand new episode of Southern Race Week Radio for you here as we're getting so psyched up and excited for the kickoff of NASCAR, NHRA, IndyCar, as well as the American Flat Track Series. Uh, so much racing about to kick off here. And don't forget about all the short track races going on all around the United States of America as well as we are kicking off yet again another racing season here for you on Southern Race Week Radio along with the Southern Race Week Radio podcast. And don't forget that the podcast is always available for you every Monday at iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. So we appreciate all you loyal listeners who are gone and subscribed and liked the podcast and also left a nice little comment as well. We appreciate all you loyal podcast listeners to the Southern Race Week Radio podcast, as I mentioned before, you ever, available for you every Monday at iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And hopefully you're having yourself a great uh, weekend here and enjoyed a nice relaxing week as we're getting closer and closer to the kickoff of the first event of the racing season, which is the Bush Clash at the LA Coliseum. That's going to be coming up Sunday, February 6th. NASCAR Racing returns with a new car on an all-new track that has never been used before. This is the first time that NASCAR will be at the LA Coliseum. And i got to tell you something. I am psyched up and ready to watch a NASCAR Cup Series racing in the LA Coliseum. It should be awesome. It should be exciting. So a lot of great close beating and banging racing Sunday, February 6th at the LA Coliseum. And of course, Fox Sports will have all the action for you and the Motor Racing Network will carry all the action for you on the radio as well. But uh, thank you so much for taking time to join us here on a Southern Race Week Radio for the next hour. We're going to provide you with the best racing coverage we have for you. we got it all for you. NASCAR, IndyCar, NHRA. As our fearless leader, William Barber, likes to say, if it has four wheels and even two wheels sometimes and goes real fast, you'll hear all about it here on Southern Race Week Radio. And another way to get the latest info and news of what's going on in the world of racing is to follow us on social media. You can like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash southernraceweek or check us out on Twitter, SRW Radio. And don't forget about my email address. If you want to shoot me an email anytime, you can do so at srwradio at yahoo.com. That is srwradio at yahoo.com. So just sit back, relax. We've got another great episode of Southern Rakes Week Radio uh, coming up for you here in just moments. And I also want to uh, thank you so much. I want to take the time to appreciate all our great and loyal listeners for all the great comments from our first episode the season premiere of Southern Race Week Radio, which was last week, had a lot of great comments uh, positively about the guest and the show as well and the podcast. So uh, thank you so much for all the kind words. And we really do appreciate our, our loyal listeners that listen to the Southern Race Week Radio broadcast as well as the Southern Race Week Radio uh, podcast. So, so much going on. We appreciate you taking the time to tune in. And uh, we've got another great episode of Southern Race Week Radio coming up for you here in just moments. Also, another thing I do want to remind you of is the Southern Race Week Radio contest right now. As William described to you last week, 
We are now participating with the Atlanta Motor Speedway to bring you an opportunity to win some tickets to check out the weekend events at AMS, but also provide you a beautiful camping ground site inside the infield of the Atlanta Motor Speedway. And they got so much going on. In case you haven't heard, they're doing this new thing. We talked to Mr. Hutchinson about it last week, the Peach Pit, where they're going to have a, a lot of interactive games, cornhole. There's going to be some bands performing as well. So much great activity is going to be going on at Atlanta Motor Speedway during the Folds of Honor QT500 race weekend. And keep checking out our Facebook page for details of how you can enter and possibly win an opportunity to be there for the Folds of Honor QT500 weekend and also an opportunity for you to win a beautiful camping site inside, inside the track at Atlanta Motor Speedway. So please keep checking the Facebook page for all the details of how you can enter and win uh, that great contest we have provided for you. Thanks to Atlanta Motor Speedway for providing us all these great amenities for our listeners to uh, win a chance to check out the Folds of Honor QT500 race weekend at the new and improved, repaved, higher-banked Atlanta Motor Speedway. But uh, coming up on the program for you this week, another jam-packed guest uh, lineup. Uh, in just minutes, we'll be speaking with Doug Turnbull, of the Performance Racing Network. We're going to talk a little bit of NASCAR for you. And then uh, following that, a, a, a great, great young female short track driver who is making some noise, Brittany Samora, will be joining us. And then we'll wrap things up as we kind of recap uh, the NASCAR Hall of Fame weekend, which was last weekend, as three new members of the NASCAR Hall of Fame were inducted, Red Farmer, Dale, Her Dale Earnhardt Jr., and Mike Stefanik. We're all inducted into the NASCAR Hall of Fame. So all that coming up for you this week on Southern Race Week Radio, along with the Southern Race Week Radio Podcast. Hey, everyone. This is Anthony Alfredo, and you're listening to Southern Race Week. All right. Welcome back to this brand-new edition of Southern Race Week Radio for you along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio network itself. We continue on with this brand-new edition of Southern Race Week Radio, along with the Southern Race Week Radio Podcast. And we're very honored and privileged to welcome our next guest here into the Southern Race Week Radio program as we head on over to the Food Depot phone line and welcome in one of the many people you hear during the Performance Racing Network and also he's got his own podcast as well. We'll discuss all of that here in just a few moments but welcome in ladies and gentlemen Mr. Doug Turnbull. If I'm to go racing podcast where we although I've been a little bit infrequent in the off season that's where I get to go on with Dan Elliott sometimes Eric Von Hessler and and, you know, go through the racing issues of the day just like you do here. But I'm looking forward to talking to you, man. Well, appreciate you taking the time, Mr. Turnbull, to uh, join us as we're just uh, moments away from the kickoff of the NASCAR Cup Series season. In fact, uh, next weekend, we'll be racing at the L.A. Memorial Coliseum for the Bush Light Clash. And there's been a lot of talk about this event because, obviously, this is something new that NASCAR has done. And over the last few years, uh, NASCAR has done a great job of experimenting, doing things a little bit different, kind of changing things up a little bit. And this is another one of their little tools that they're going to use to hopefully attract a, a new audience, especially with the Super Bowl that will be in Los Angeles, um, not that uh, far after the Bush clash. So um, real quickly, Mr. Turnbull, what are your thoughts and what do you expect to see out of the uh, NASCAR Cup Series drivers there and also the, the great format they have set up for this Bush clash event? Anytime there's something new on the schedule, whether it's a doubleheader at Pocono or a, a new road course, it's exciting. And I certainly be able to more directly engage the L.A. market and so close to the Super Bowl in that way. That, that is the appeal of this event. I think that 
a lot of the talk about racing because it's so sponsorship driven, so ratings driven, is about things that are different than the X's and the O's. So I don't know what to expect as far as an actual race, especially when the teams only have between two and four cars built by this time, and they've got to conserve their fleets for actual races that count for points. Daytona 500, where you tear up a lot of equipment that's going to be two weeks after this race, and then the subsequent West Coast swing. So I don't know that what the track that this gets most compared to is Bowman Gray. And what is Bowman Gray known for, Alfie? It's known for rock'em, stock'em robots. You know, <laughs> it's known for tearing a bunch of stuff up. And uh, the Martinsville playoff cutoff race last year might be a better example of that, uh, where a lot of stuff was on the line than the Bush Clash. I think the drivers are going to go out and mix it up and have a lot of fun. And because only 20 cars, I think that's the number anyway, make the main show, there's going to be some big names that don't transfer in. But this is a far cry from the 1970s or 80s Bush Clash on the big track in Daytona where you only had pole winners, there might only be nine or ten people in the race. It's going to be a little bigger than that, and they're only going to do it on a quarter-mile track with the one-track debut of the brand-new car, what I think will soon not be called the next-gen car because it's the current gen. Yeah, we both were at Atlanta Motor Speedway when uh, we had a couple of drivers out here doing some tire testing, some testing around the, the track, and we had an opportunity to see them out there. Um, your impressions of the car, what, what are your thoughts? And also, they finally kind of decided on the package that they'll use at Atlanta, which is going to be the, the same package that they use at Daytona and Talladega. So tell me a little bit about your thoughts on the cars after you saw them out there on the track at AMS and also um, the new surface there at AMS because for the first time in about 25 years or so, Atlanta Motor Speedway will have a whole new repaved surface. And your thoughts on when the cars get here for the first race in March for the Folds of Honor QT500 race weekends? Look, I think the bigger story of that test was the track than the car. The next-gen car or the Gen 7 race car with its independent front rear suspension and the sequential uh, shifter and the rear-view camera and the different aerodynamic things added to the bottom of the car to make it a flat pan, the rear diffuser that, that uh, makes cars so they can behave better in traffic, potentially not create an air bubble around them. All these different things are tough to perceive when you only have three cars going around a mile-and-a-half track, usually one car at a time. The only sessions where they really had drafting were kind of the tandem draft and it was only three cars total in that test so I, when you and i were standing on the roof of turn one or down on pit road and watching them go by one at a time it could have been any race car it could have been a nascar racing experience race car and it wouldn't have looked a ton different i can tell you the sound as you heard it's that dual exhaust that sound is really guttural and and the cars are very sleek looking they have a lot of cool contours but as far as the mechanical things that changed I, you know, I'm not enough of a car guy. I don't work for a race team to know well, what those really mean when they're running one at a time. As far as the track itself, they, they prop that bank it up, Alfred, as you know, from 24 to 28 degrees. So it's the highest bank mile-and-a-half track, and it's now going to be the only mile-and-a-half track in the history of NASCAR that, that's running a super speedway-type package. And, I, and, that, and the drivers have all predicted that they're going to run in some kind of pack out there whether that is the Atlanta Motor Speedway is big enough to sustain it being a pack that looks like Daytona and Talladega is yet to see. But when Kurt Busch told you and I and the rest of the media there a few weeks ago that we were making super speedway adjustments on a mile-and-a-half race car in Atlanta, that's a new ball game. And so it's really worth it for fans to come and see it or if they can't come to watch it on TV and listen to it on PRN in March because that's going to be a whole different ball game. 
Now, let me ask you this, though. If you think that racing becomes successful at Motor Speedway, the kind of racing that they want to return as it was back in the previous years, do you see other maybe mile-and-a-half tracks that might try to maybe adjust their bankings, just kind of Atlanta does, or, or maybe look at the track and say, you know what, maybe we should try to do something different to try to make our races uh, a little bit more exciting? Yeah, I wonder if Atlanta – so Atlanta had higher banking already than Texas, Charlotte, Las Vegas, you know, the other mile-and-a-half tracks. And, you know, and Chicago's already off the schedule, and, and it's a higher banking than Kansas, and I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting one here. That, yeah, but it already had higher banking than those tracks. So it made sense for Atlanta when it had newer pavement. It was the fastest track in NASCAR in the late 90s, early 2000s, right? It made sense that that would be the place that they decide to go super speedway and, and really go for it if you're going to do it on a mile and a half. I think if every mile and a half wanted to do it, it would make it not special anymore. And since most of those mile and a half tracks are owned by SMI, the same company that owns AMS, I don't think you're going to see them all do the same thing for the reasons I just said. I think there still needs to be attacking a big track and having off-throttle time. And by NASCAR choosing to do the 670 horsepower package on the short tracks and the big tracks for 2022, that says a lot about the direction they want to go. Atlanta Motor Speedway is going to have a package that's similar to the Daytona Talladega that's 510 horsepower. So it's going to be totally different. I think the idea is this one needs to be totally different. So I don't see the other ones changing now. Now, we're going to see a lot of different drivers and different cars. We've got drivers who have even gone on to own parts of the teams as well. Um, as we get set to kick off the 2022 Cup Series season, uh, what are you most curious to see as far as the changes between drivers and teams that you're uh, really looking forward to seeing how it's going to work out for them? Uh, yeah, it's tough. I mean, how, how well do the rookies do that are essentially under the Penske umbrella with Cedric and Harrison Burton? I'm really interested to see how Trackhouse fares, if they're going to end up being better off with Suarez and now Ross Chastain and, and pretty much having cannibalized in a good way, I guess, the, the Chip Ganassi team. You know, does the uh, 2311 racing situation get better now that they expand to two cars and have a year under their belts and also adding Kurt Busch? Kurt Busch, you got to admit, Albert, had a step in, a perk in his step at that test. There's just something about him. Every year is like a new beginning for that guy, and he's still able to squeeze off one win each year. So I think it, I, it with Bubba Wallace barely getting a win, like, you know, only getting his first win at the end of the year and then not making the playoffs, the expectations being higher. Now you've got another car in there that's going to elevate the performance. And, you know, how, how much can they really do? And then, the, and then the last thing I'll say is with Brad Keselowski joining, uh, joining RFK, when I've listened to other podcasts or heard other people that are in the industry talk about the changes around Spinway Kozlowski racing. It's not just about they have a good driver over there and he owns part of the team. It's about the changes that team is making and then the potential to grow based upon them having all the same parts that the other teams have with this new car. And uh, I just feel like Brad is going to add a spark. I think some people have higher expectations for that than I do. I think he's lucky to win a race this year and he's doing a good job if he makes the playoffs. And Chris Buescher, I think, performs better, too. But, that, again, if you have new drivers making the playoffs, Alfred, who does that come to the expense of? I feel like everybody except Michael McDowell and Eric Almarola last year performed well enough to be in the playoffs, and there certainly will be surprise winners in 2022. So who's going to be the team that disappoints? And my answer to that is I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, it should be an exciting season, no doubt about it, as we're just a, a week away from the clash and then, not that far after that, the duels and then the running of the Great American Race of the Daytona 500 uh, at Daytona International Speedway. Now, uh, Mr. Turnbull, if our listeners want to keep up with you on social media and follow you around, uh, how can they do that, sir? Yeah, because your best place is Twitter, uh, at Doug Turnbull. That's where I do most of the racing stuff and up-to-the-minute stuff. 
I am on Facebook and Instagram too. Just look up Doug Turnbull or Fireball Turnbull on those. And then the Five to Go Racing podcast is on, on all the podcasty like places and goprn.com and wsradio.com. And we're about to get that going again with more regularity as the season gets closer, man. I appreciate appreciate you letting me be here on Southern Race Week Radio, too. Hey, everyone. It's Jeb Burton, and you're listening to Southern Race Week. All right. Welcome back to this brand-new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio for you along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio Network. It's Southie continuing on with this brand-new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio along with the Southern Race Week Radio podcast. And our next guest joining us here on the program made some history last year at Nashville Fairgrounds Super Speedway, and we're excited to see what she'll be doing in 2022. So let's, uh, let's head on over to the Food Depot hotline and welcome in short track driver, Brittany Zamora! Yeah. <laughs> Hi there. Miss Zamora, thank you so much for taking time to join us this week here on Southern Race Week Radio coming off a big high from this past weekend. Thank you so much for taking the time to uh, join us this week. Of course. Thanks for having me. Well, you made history this past weekend. You were the first ever female driver to win a premier division class at Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway. I saw the tweet and I was like, I have to get her on the program because this is very exciting for you to make such history at such a premier track when you think of nashville fairground super speedway so much history has been done at that track it's been open for many many decades and for you to be the first female to win at that venue what was going through your mind as you were going through that last lap heading towards the checkered flag uh just the main thing i was telling myself is just don't mess up don't mess up because at that point it was all on me right so uh we had one lap to go and i just had to finish that and we were good i did i actually didn't know how close that michael house was behind me and i'm kind of glad i didn't um but he was right there on my bumper but i actually didn't know i was the first female to ever win there until i got out of the car in victory lane so uh just to top that off on um, on top of my win was pretty cool to hear now, to be able to do this, it takes a lot of support, family, sponsors, for you to be able to do this week in and week out. I want to give you an opportunity to to recognize those people who have been there for you to help you out because this isn't a sport that's just by you. you got people around you. Who are some of those right. people that really kind of helped you out in, in getting this monstrous, incredible win for you? Yeah, my family is huge. They're really big supporters of me and what I'm doing out here with my racing. But as far as sponsors go, I got to thank Rackley War, Rackley Roofing, the Davis Group. Autolite was huge in getting this race secured for me this past weekend, so I couldn't have done it without them. And also uh, my pet awareness program, Pit Road Pals, also helped us get on track this past weekend. Now, you're a young lady doing a sport that's dominated by men, but the women have really come along lately. I, I, you know, I have a lot of people who've been on this up. JoJo Wilkinson, who's a friend of the show, has been on here, and she's been making a lot of noise in the in the Arca series. And for a lot of younger women, probably a generation ago, there were no lady or female drivers to really look up to. Now, this generation, I really feel, have a lot of great female representation when it comes to racing. Do you feel like that is the case when you go to tracks and you see little girls out there coming to maybe get your autograph or? come talk to you and, and, and get information of how to be, how to get to do what you do. Yeah. I think that's really cool. When I was growing up um, in the racing world, I didn't really have the, this many females to look up to, you know, right. There's about one or two, but there's definitely a lot more now, which is cool to see the growth in the sport. Um, 
but just I, I know I'm the first one to win on the five eights at Nashville, but I definitely don't think I'll be the only and definitely won't be the last. So I'm really excited to see um, how our presence grows in sports and continue to beat those boys. Speaking with uh, short track driver Brittany Samora here on Southern Race Week Radio. And, you know, um, I don't know much about you. I did a little bit of research to learn a little bit about you before we did this interview. But for our listeners out there who might not know about you, how did you get into racing? What What, what really got the... For you, the the as a lot of people say, the bug that bit you to, to do this. Uh, yeah, I'm a second generation driver, so I grew up at the racetrack. Went to the racetrack when I was four days old and got in a go go kart at four years old. So I've been doing it for 18 years. Um, you know, it was a family thing, and that's what we all did together. And after watching it for a few years, I was like, you know what, I want to try that. So got in it, had a lot of fun, and was pretty successful. Uh, my first few times out. So that's kind of when we decided that, you know, we we're gonna, really going to take this first spin and see what we can do with it. Now, obviously, as you said, your dad is a driver, so that kind of bonded you guys. But for your mother, you know, I, I'm sure for mothers, they don't expect their girls to want to go into such a, a sport as racing. So for your mom, what, did it take a lot of convincing for her to, to kind of feel comfortable in letting you do this? Or was there a little bit of a, a struggle there for her to understand why you wanted to go this route? Yeah, she was always 100% supportive of it. Um, even today, she's my biggest supporter. So having her there this past weekend for my win was really special to me. But definitely over the past 18 years, she's been all in on it. Now, what's the future hold for you? What What are your goals? What are your desires? Is this something do you want to continue to do as you get older? Or, or, or what's the plan for you? I definitely want to race for as long as I can. Just making a career out of racing is the goal for me so um as far as moving forward i'd be happy making a career out of late model racing if that's what i get to go do every saturday night and call it my job then i'd be the happiest person on this planet but um anything really i'd race anything cup series would be great to make it that far into the sport but i'd be happy any level now, you are in a sport that is dominated by men. Let's, let, we're not going to kid around and joke ourselves here, although I'm sure you probably race with multiple women in the races, but it's a male-dominated sport. Do you find it hard for you to get respect from the men out there driving, or do you feel at this point that you've gained their respect from what you've done on the track? Um, I would say, like, my first couple years in stock cars, it was hard, you know, introducing myself into this side of motorsports. Um, from go-karts the first few years were challenging just trying to make a name for myself and proving that I'm an, I'm another driver right I'm not just the girl out on track I'm another driver and I'm here for the same reasons that any of the other drivers are here for so um, but now in my career I'm everybody's pretty respectful of it I've never had any serious issues with that on the late model side of things. So it's really nice coming to new tracks like Nashville and not having to worry about that. I can just worry about what's going on with the car, put my helmet on and go out on track and do my thing. Well, Brittany, it's been amazing to talk to you. And for our listeners out there who might want to keep up with you on social media, maybe keep a track of what's going on with your schedule, your career for the rest of the season, where can they go to get information to keep up with what the, what races you have coming up and maybe follow you on social media as well? Right. I have um, a presence on all social media platforms, so Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. This is Leah Pruitt, and you're listening to Southern Race Week. All right, welcome back to this brand new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio for you along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio Network itself. And last weekend, 
The NASCAR Hall of Fame welcome in three brand new members in the class of 2022 at the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Red Farmer, one of the founding members of the Alabama gang, who was pretty much one of the pioneers of NASCAR, which is why he was the first recipient of the pioneer ballot from the NASCAR Hall of Fame. And also Dale Earnhardt Jr., along with Mike Stefanik. Those three individuals were inducted last week into the NASCAR Hall of Fame in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I had to tell you, I had the opportunity to last year to speak with Red Farmer when it was announced that he would be entering into the NASCAR Hall of Fame. And during a press conference after their induction into the NASCAR Hall of Fame, Red Farmer told the media what was the difference between racing when he started and racing now. Money. <laughs> that is a big difference, money. What they spend for one car nowadays, I could race two or three years, years ago, with the same, same equipment. It's just everything has got so far ridiculous out of price as far as, and this year it seems like it's doubled. The fuel, the parts, and everything else, it just costs so much money nowadays to race compared to what it was years ago when we started. Of course, the money was different too. Oh, we didn't have, just have as much money as you got to have now. Like I said, our cars that we raced back in the early 50s, I'd say, we had maybe five, $6,000 in the whole complete car. Now, if you have a super late model dirt car like we run at Talladega, you could have sixty dollars to $75,000 in that car. The prices of everything just gone ridiculous. Right now, I, I, had a, I bought a new car here a couple of weeks ago, just a chassis, just a frame with the front suspension and a quick change in it, and it was $18,000 $18, just for a chassis. No motor, transmission, the drive shaft, no seat in it or anything. And, you know, 20 years ago, you could have bought that same car for 5000 And that is one of the founding members of the Alabama Gang Rare, Red Farmer, one of the newest inductees into the NASCAR Hall of Fame. And also, Dale Jr. was also another inductee into the NASCAR Hall of Fame. And he told the media after his induction, what was the biggest moment for him to make him who he is today? It was 2008, going to drive for Rick and, and meeting Amy. Those two things coincidentally kind of happened around the same time in my life. And being around Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson, watching them prepare, watching the teams prepare, listening to the expectations of each other individually. I mean, I really, I thought I was a race car driver until I went there and I learned, man, I really am not applying all of the, all of the resources that are available to me. And, um, it really was an eye-opening experience to work in such a such a place with so much success, and uh, to really see how they how they make that success happen. So that was pretty pretty incredible. And then right at that same time, I met Amy, and uh, you know I've been a work in progress in the, in the, in in that in that regard. And fortunate for me, Amy's stuck stuck it out. You know all these years. Um, you know, me, I had a long way to go to really become the man that she needed me to be and the husband that she needs me to be. And uh, I feel like that we, you know, we've, we've come a long way and it's, uh, it's been absolutely rewarding. And so I think those two things coupled together uh, changed me quite a bit. You know, and I, and I think, you know, of course, going and being a becoming a dad and all that, all those things are life altering. And Amy's still by my side and, and we're, you know, 
every day gets better all the all the cliches i mean they're they're real and so uh we have so much to look forward to you know and so that makes you excited and and makes you want to be present and in the moment so there you go that is dale earnhardt jr speaking to the media following his induction to the nascar hall of fame and finally, Mike Stefanik was also inducted into the NASCAR Hall of Fame last week. And I did not know this, but his wife, Julie Stefanik, served as his crew chief for many, many years. And we asked her about what it was like working with him as a spotter and then dealing with him after a race. It was good. Um, no, I think that was, that was a part of our relationship. And I enjoyed doing it. And... Um, he enjoyed listening to me, I guess. I mean, I would know, I knew what he wanted to hear. And one time, uh, actually Greg Zipadelli and Mike Grichy had brought me in the trailer and they said, you need to pump him up. You need to, you know, like um, be a cheerleader. And it's like, I knew that wasn't what he wanted. So we were at a race, it was a bush race at um, Stafford Springs and something had broken in the rear end. And um, uh, so I started being the cheerleader as they wanted me to be. And I'm like, keep digging, keep digging. <laughs> he got on the radio and he's like, the shovel's broke. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> and then um, afterwards, we, after the race, Greg and, and uh, yeah, Greg Zipidelli and Mike Ricci, they laughed. Ha ha, you got hollered at. <laughs> it's like, you told me to do this. But I knew what he wanted to hear. And it was just, I was a set of eyes to, to help him you know, I looked ahead of the, you know, ahead of him and tried to keep him out of harm's way. And that would, that kept, I don't know, that was just something that kept me calm. And that is Julie Stefanik, the widow of Mike Stefanik, speaking to the media after uh, Mr. Stefanik was inducted into the NASCAR Hall of Fame. So what a great weekend last weekend in Charlotte, the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Also, if you missed out on watching the NASCAR Hall of Fame induction ceremony, you can watch it all over again or uh, re-watch it or watch it for the first time. Who knows? This is John Roberts from FS1, and you're listening to Southern Race Week. All right, welcome back to this brand new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio for you along the far flunks in the Race Week Radio Network is Alfie. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio, along with the Southern Race Week Radio podcast. As once again, I had to fill in for WB. He had to take the, the week off. He had something very important that came up. So I decided, you know what, I'll hop in here. I'll take over the show and I will bring it to you as we do every single week throughout the racing season. So thank you so much for listening in and tuning into the broadcast uh, this week. So much going on in the world of racing, and the only place you can get the latest racing info and news is via the Southern Race Week radio social media sites. That's right. We're available on Twitter. We're available on Facebook as well. So you have an opportunity, if you have some time later on today, go and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Southern Race Week, and also follow us on Twitter at SRW Radio. You can also follow our fearless leader, WB, at WB Radio Network, and yours truly, you can follow at Alfie underscore 19. Now, it is very, very important that you go and like the Facebook page. Let me tell you why. Thanks to Southern Race Week, along with the, the Atlanta Motor Speedway, we're giving one lucky listener an opportunity to enjoy a great weekend of racing at Atlanta Motor Speedway for the Folds of Honor QT500 weekend on an all-new Atlanta Motor Speedway. That's right, four degrees of extra banking, 
an all new repaved surface and a little bit of reconfiguration going on on the front stretch, but it should equal out to some exciting and great racing at Atlanta Motor Speedway, not only in March, but also in July as well. But we are giving you a chance to win uh, tickets for all the events going on for the Folds of Honor QT 500 weekend, and then also a camping site inside the track to enjoy as well. So this is going to be really awesome. So make sure you check out the Facebook page as we'll be giving you details of how to enter and win. Once again, want to thank our great guests on the program this week, Doug Turnbull of the Performance Racing Network. We really appreciate him. And also Brittany Samora, up-and-coming female short track driver on the circuit who made some history last year at Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway. We really appreciate all those great guests who join us every week in and week out here on a Southern Race Week Radio. And, of course, next week we'll have another edition of Southern Race Week Radio along with the Southern Race Week Radio podcast. Now, I know for a fact we have booked and ready to go for next week's show, Raja Karuth, another great and upcoming driver who is also racing in the Arca Series, and he'll be racing part-time in the Xfinity Series next year. So we'll talk with Raja Karuth next week. But that's going to do it for us this week. We'll catch back up with you next week on Southern Race Week Radio along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio Network. We'll be right back. 